Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. Hello, my darlings, and welcome back to Ghost of a Podcast. This week's question comes from Silly Woo, and she says, I've just finished listening to part one of your fantastic chat with Amanda Seals on small doses, and a really huge thing I resonated with was the idea of silliness. I often find myself feeling completely silly talking about or practicing many woo things, sometimes even when I'm completely alone. The silly remains despite my wholehearted belief in what I'm doing. Do you have any tips or advice on how to deal with these false narratives around woo that we may experience and how we may better embrace our own practices from a place of non-judgment? As always, thank you for your time, energy, and love for all us puppies and kittens. So Silly Woo was born on October 10th of 1988 at 1.52 p.m. in Elizabeth, Australia. This is such a great question. If you haven't already heard episode 182 of my conversation with Amanda Seals on Small Doses Podcast, then you are missing out, see. Uh, But this thing that we talked about was how there's kind of like a silification that happens with astrology and many other woo concepts, right? There's this idea that it's silly spirituality. It's not substantive and it's not real. There's a lot that I you know, would love to say about this. And then we'll look at your birth chart. First and foremost, I did a funny little thing. And I looked up the word silly. And what I found a little bit surprised me, silly, generally speaking, it means foolish. It means, you know, something you're not meant to take seriously. But according to vocabulary.com, silly originally meant happy. And later it came to mean foolish, not very smart, not not something to be serious about. And I think that's so damn fascinating that at first silliness was something that sparked joy. And then how we, with our English language, made the determination that sparking joy is not that important. It is silly. It is not to be taken seriously. When it comes to faith, when it comes to belief, it's not based in fact, right? When we have faith in something, it's can be evidential, right? We can feel that we have evidence, but it is not fact in the same way that, you know, you know, driving from your house to the pharmacy, you can get there in one of any number of ways, right? That's factual. You take these certain roads and you will arrive at the same location of the pharmacy, right? There's something very substantive and material about that. When it comes to something like faith, it's very different. There's a way that when we're looking at spiritual values, beliefs, and tools that exist outside of institutions, religious institutions, um, even psychological institutions, right? There's the silification that happens. It's something silly that, you know, often women believe in. We're not meant to take it seriously. And in truth, you know, as an astrologer who's been studying for more than 25 years, Many people tell me that they believe in astrology and they center and value astrology and they either really don't understand astrology at all or the things that they feel they understand are actually not accurate from an astrological perspective. They're, you know, based on misunderstandings or half-truths, right? 
So I understand that there is something maybe silly about that. That said, there are many religions that are based on documents or books <laughs> that are interpretations of translations that are interpretations of translations that are interpretations of translations. And most people who are involved in, you know, conventional religions haven't actually read the books. They haven't actually read the full documents that may or may not even be true to the original documents, which may or may not have even been true either. I don't think that faith is meant to be something that is fact-based. Faith is meant to give us comfort. Faith is meant to light us up and give us guidance, to speak to our morality and speak to our sense of meaning and purpose. It's meant to fill us up, you know? And so does our the things we have faith in need to be substantiated by facts? No, not at all, actually. That said, when we use the things we have faith in to embolden us to abandon common sense or agency, when we use our spirituality to embolden or justify cruelty towards others, a lack of acceptance, a lack of kindness, that's when we get into trouble right? And I think it's really important when we talk about something like astrology and le wu, my friend Silly Wu, part of what we're talking about is kind of stepping off the most traveled path. What we're talking about is following your heart because something is calling you. And this is something that requires you to have faith in yourself, have faith in your own ability to make determinations based on information, based on your intuition. And that's hard. There's never going to be a lack of people telling you that that's silly. There's just never going to be a lack of people telling you that that's silly. That's just reality. Some people even, you know, don't like the term woo. I love the term woo because personally me, I don't take it that seriously. I think it's important to recognize that there is room for all the things. So if I'm, if I'm back to that metaphor of going from your house to the pharmacy, there are many routes that can take you from your house to the pharmacy, not just one. Very rarely is there just one. You can walk, you can take a bike, you can hold hands with someone, you can skip, you can drive your car, you can take different streets, you can take different alleys, you know, you can park outside, you can wait in the car and have somebody else go. I don't know. I mean, you see, I'm overplaying this metaphor. But from my perspective, when people become punishing in their values and beliefs, we get into trouble. And there are billions and billions of people on this earth that do you know, they use their beliefs to justify abandoning their children or, you know, hating certain people or if this person's going to hell, well, then fuck them. I don't have to care about them. You know, that kind of bullshit. And I would say that that's not silly. That's destructive. So let's say you believe in something woo and it is silly. Let's say it's silly. What does that mean about you? Does that mean you're silly? What is silliness? <laughs> something to not be taken seriously? Something that not that smart? And this kind of gets into something that I think is really very important to name, which is that for a very long time, for a very long time, religion and spirituality has been kind of kept to scholars, right? Kept to highly intelligent people who've done a great deal of study. 
And the like masses of people who may have less access to education and economic resources have had to believe those with more power, you know, social power or intellectual uh, prowess over a concept. And there's something about lawu, whether we're talking about astrology or energy work or all these other things that kind of exist in the collective and are not actually locked into one central belief system that is not in the purview of intellectualism. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't plenty of astrology scholars and scholars of all manner of woo. There are. It's also not to say that there are not experts in the many different fields of lawu. There are. <laughs> it doesn't mean that me as an astrologer that I don't hear people who are first learning astrology, you know, spout things that I think are straight up wrong. Because, you know, to all practices, to all uh, belief systems and to all tools, there are systems and they can be used or misused or misunderstood or understood. Sure. But intellectualism, intellectualism can absolutely be a tool for oppression and it can be classist. <laughs> and it's kind of the opposite of silly, right? Like isn't intellectualism kind of like the proof that you're smart, proof that you know things? So what I'm trying to get at is sometimes things are simple and that doesn't make them not smart. And sometimes things are complicated and that does not make them smart. So when we talk about what is simple, you have found yourself pursuing and centering many woo things whether you're doing it in groups or you're doing it alone. And it brings you, it brings you peace. It brings you joy. It fosters a sense of connection and value and meaning in your life. And that's enough. And other people may not agree or understand. If you find yourself using those same woo feelings and thoughts to think you're better than other people, to think some people deserve to have freedom or liberty or safety, or whatever else, okay, then, then I want to really have a serious like heart to heart and say, mm -mm, no, we got problems here. But if what you are pursuing does not bring harm to yourself or others, if it is a tool for coping with the complexities of life, then let it be silly if that's what it is. Embrace that, you know. And that actually brings us to your birth chart, my dear friend, Silly Woo. There's a lot of things that we could talk about within your birth chart, but I'm going to focus on one big one, which is you were born with the North Node in Pisces in the first house. And this means many things, but center to them all is that you've come here in this life to figure out who the hell you are, to give yourself permission to be who you are. And the journey of exploring who you are has everything to do with your spirituality because the North Node is in the sign of Pisces. The reason why spirituality is more resonant for you than religion is likely to be is for a number of things in your birth chart, including religion can be judgmental and restrictive, and spirituality tends to be more open-ended and require less monogamy and fixed ritual and routine from you, fixed ideas. In this lifetime, you're meant to find your own path. You're meant to find your own truth and to check in with your own guidance, with your own sense of intuition and your own feelings in order to determine what is authentic and what is uplifting for you. 
when you fall into the realm of judgment, whether towards yourself or towards others, is when you fall into trouble. Now, you have Saturn in Sagittarius, and we could get into a whole lot about that. You've got Pluto in the ninth house. We could get into a whole lot about that. But I just want to keep it really simple for you, because if the worst thing that you are feeling is silly, I want to encourage you to explore why silly is so bad. What's so wrong with silly? Now, I know. I mean, I'm a triple Capricorn. I don't like being silly. I don't really consider myself to be that silly. That said, the sillification of cer- certain spiritual practices and certain interests and priorities is judgmental. It comes from the patriarchy. It comes from all kinds of oppressive and repressive systems that are meant to uplift the straight white man and his intellectualism and his God. And hey, listen, maybe that resonates for tons of different people, different races, different sexualities, uh, different genders, you know. But for those of us who it doesn't resonate for, it's important to recognize that one of the most common tools for making people feel that they have to fit in and they have to belong is shame and embarrassment, right? Punishment, that's a biggie too. So don't take on the false narrative of shame that you have to prove that your beliefs and your values and what resonates for you is right to anyone else. I want to acknowledge that I am saying this in the backdrop of a time where there are many spiritual value systems, especially propagated online, that exist as a pipeline to hate-based values. And that's something we're going to talk about in another podcast episode sometime soon. There's a way that we need to be really careful always, but especially now when so much spirituality and spiritual content is happening online, where there's so much propaganda and kind of cult-like conspiracy theories, we do need to be really mindful of what we're consuming and checking sources and checking in to make sure we are not buying into essentially a hate-based value system, right? And unfortunately, there is a direct pipeline between wellness online and QAnon or QAnon, as I'd like to call it, or other hate-based values. So we do need to be mindful. But this is where I return to the need for discernment, for knowing yourself, knowing who you are, knowing what you are, and not needing to blame others or think you're better than others in order to find your connection to the divine. Now, my love, I hope that's helpful for you. And May you have a life full of very serious and also very silly connections to that which matters to you. Learn about colonialism, past, present, and ongoing. Educate yourself about whose land you're living on, and if you can, make a monetary donation or pay a land tax to that tribe. Visit our native land at native-land.ca. The link is in show notes. My sweet darlings, let's get astrological, shall we? This week's horoscope, we're looking at the dates of January 31st through February 6th. And this is your first Mercury retrograde horoscope of 2021. Before we get into the details of the transits that are occurring this week, and there's not too many of them, I want to just acknowledge that what we can see looking at world events from the GameStop Robin Hood explosion fiasco. I don't know what to call it. Fiasco sounds negative. I don't think it's a bad thing at all. Where, you know, the people came together on Reddit and game the system that had been gaming them. 
Whoa, I love it. Man, do I love it. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't completely understand it. Please do not send me mail explaining it. Uh, I just want to say this is the kind of thing we can expect from all this Uranus energy. This kind of upsets to stable static systems, whether we're talking about economic systems, uh, governmental systems, old ways of doing things in your life, uh, in a government, in an institution, in a corporation, whatever. We can expect more of that throughout the year of 2021. We can also expect that 2021 is going to continue to bring us the kind of instability and uncertainty that can both be really wonderful and really destructive. It's, it's kind of all of it instead of only one thing. And what I want to kind of bring your attention back to, and I'm going to do this all year long, is the need that you may be having to manage your mental health in such a way that you can tolerate and be interested in, in other words, accept and work with instability uncertainty. Really important. And in particular, it's really important because Uranus and Mars are still very close to each other in Taurus. And these energies, Uranus and Mars, you know, especially square to Saturn and Jupiter, these energies are responsible for civil unrest, whether it's, you know, what we saw in Russia, where it was pro-democracy protests uh, in the past week, especially, you know, from young people, which is very Uranian, or what we saw in the Netherlands, which was anti-COVID restrictions, you know, people hitting the streets and violently protesting rules from the government about what people need to do to stay safe in the face of COVID. My gosh. I mean, what I'm trying to say is it's not all good. It's not all bad. It's just a lot. And it's a little surprising. It's likely to continue to be a little surprising, a little explosive. And the risk of violence exists because of the energies at play. I want to encourage you as much as possible to stay aware about what's happening globally and activated around what you can do locally. So as you know, Mercury went retrograde on the 30th of January, and I didn't get too deep into it, but I'm going to read the chart for you of Mercury retrograde because you want to know, I want to know, let's find out together. So Mercury will remain retrograde through February 21st of 2021. It's a nice quick Mercury retrograde, right? Just a couple few weeks, no big deal, slash also. Mercury is in the sign of Aquarius for the whole retrograde. And what that means is we are likely to experience technological hiccups, right? Because Aquarius is the sign that governs the intranet where so many of us are spending our days and nights these days. This whole retrograde is influenced by the Uranus-Mars conjunction. Oh, and I should say that Mercury went retrograde January 30th at 7.51 a.m. So if you wanted to cast a chart, that's what you would cast it for. And as, you know, a quick little aside, you can cast it for wherever you are in the world, whatever city and state or province you're in in the world. But there's the kind of global implications of a Mercury retrograde in which we could not look at uh, houses. And then there's your personal experience that you can look at the houses, how it's more likely to impact you. But eh, with a chart like this, I'm not really going to focus on houses. It's more on aspects within the transit chart. 
So the Uranus conjunction to Mars is active. It is square to Saturn and Jupiter and the sun in this Mercury retrograde chart. So there's a great deal of tension here. What do you believe and what are you going to do about it? What is important to you? And how are you going to mobilize based on what's important to you? How are you managing the growth and the evolution that you want to see in your life and in the world around you? What actions are you taking? These are the questions that this particular set of squares brings up. And to make things slightly less comfortable, that Venus-Pluto conjunction that was exact with the full moon last week is active in this chart. So it's not exact, but it's a still pretty tight conjunction. And so whatever it is that came up for you and in you around that full moon and that Venus-Pluto conjunction, we can expect that these themes are going to maintain themselves throughout the Mercury retrograde cycle. So I want to remind you that Mercury retrograde is a time for reviewing and reassessing. You know, in our current world, so much happens in a very mercurial way. Mercury governs your thoughts and your beliefs and what you say. It's DMs, emails, communication. It's also listening. It's what you hear and how you hear it. It's how you communicate that you're listening. If somebody texts you and says, oh, I'm having a really hard day, and you send back a heart, you are not communicating that you're listening you know, you're communicating that you love them, but not that you're hearing them, right? So Mercury retrograde is a time to really look within, to pause, and to stop putting yourself out there, to instead be conscientious about how you're putting yourself out there and whether or not it accurately expresses what you want it to. Mercury retrograde happens a couple few times a year, and it's always an opportunity to check yourself to check in with yourself. And we all need that. That's why Mercury goes retrograde all the GD time, you know. So this Mercury retrograde is a time for you to really look within about the themes that were kicked up with this full moon. And you may want to re-listen to, you know, what I talked about, about the full moon chart, or check out the transcripts from last week's horoscope episode, just to kind of like briefly recap that Venus Pluto conjunction is likely to have kicked up things around the theme of how you look and how you feel about the way you look, your personal relationships, how you feel like you fit in, whether or not your needs are being met, how you are showing up with others, for others, and for yourself in relationships, and also potentially around money. And so we are going to see that these themes are kind of like worming their ways through your thinking throughout this retrograde. And honestly, it's not easy, but this is a fucking beautiful opportunity because who amongst us has no work to do on any of those themes, right? And you're unlikely to be dealing with all of the themes, but this is definitely a time for dealing with some or at least one of these themes. If you are willing to really reflect, review, reassess, recalibrate, You don't need to activate on changes at this time, though your circumstances may certainly be pushing you to. But this is a time for really being willing to look within. That's what the Mercury retrograde wants of us. If you find that you have to sign a contract, that you are buying something big and expensive, if you are needing to make plans or, you know, solidify commitments, 
Yes, we are not meant to do that during Mercury retrograde in an ideal world. But who amongst us lives in an ideal world? Not I, not you. So if you have to do any kind of thing that is not ideal during a Mercury retrograde, don't have a cow, man. Instead, what I want to encourage you to do is, uh, you know, triple check the contract, uh, really solidify, am I understanding this agreement properly? Are you, you know, let me ask you extra questions. We want to use astrology as a way to help us be more activated and actualized, right? So you don't want to use it as a way to be like, I shall avoid all things during a Mercury retrograde. That's unrealistic. But instead to use the data that, you know, if you're somebody who's like, in your business, you sign contracts or you sell things for a living or you have a website. Shit will go sideways. Don't take it personally. Don't overreact. Just be like, oh, yeah, I fuck with astrology. So I knew this was likely to happen. Now I'm going to recalibrate. And within that, you will have the opportunity to see how your attachments function, how your impatience functions, how your ego functions, and to learn more about how you respond to your reactions. So you'll get to learn both about your own reactions and your responses. And this can be greatly healing. This is a wonderful opportunity that is a pain in many buns all over this nation, all over this world. But, you know, just because something's a pain in the ass doesn't mean that it's bad. It's about how do we pivot? How do we learn? How do we recalibrate Mercury and the Royal Rees? You know, you know. Okay, so that's my little hot take on this Mercury retrograde. If you're really curious about Mercury retrograde, you want to know more, you can go over to the astrology podcast, the last Mercury retrograde, Chris Brennan of the astrology podcast and I recorded an episode very, very detailed about Mercury retrogrades and the shadows. So if you want to learn more, you can find that, you know, wherever podcasts are heard or on YouTube, if you want to watch a video of us uh, geeking out together. I mean, some people like geeking. I love geeking. Okay. So on the 1st of February, hello and welcome, February, we have a sun square to Mars. This is an exact transit. Sun square to Mars is annoying. Seriously, so annoying. That's what it is. Mars is ego and defensiveness, uh, punch, punch, kick, kick, bang, bang. And the sun is identity. It's the will. The sun and Mars are both really powerful planets. So the sun being the will and Mars being the ego, when they bang up against each other as a 90 degree, aka a square aspect uh, indicates, there's a struggle between your identity and what you actually want to do. There's a struggle between getting yourself out there in a way that you want to be out there and something that feels more powerful than you. You may feel like you're being bullied by someone who <laughs> has no right to bully you. You may be bullying someone else. You may be bullying your own damn self. This can be a struggle with the body, right? It can be a time where you're just like, I really want to go for a run, but my knee hurts kind of business. This is a time where we can feel like our agency is thwarted by something that is inherent to us or our condition. It can also be a time where we get blamey, blamey, judgy, judgy, angry, angry. I don't know why I'm repeating it, but I just I just did it. It will be very compelling on and around this date to look for reasons why you feel shitty and to blame other people. And you know what? It's very possible that other people are the reason why you feel shitty. Absolutely. And it's also very possible that you're just looking for something to justify your feelings. 
And the only way to know the difference is to do investigation. It's to be willing to be humble. It's to be willing to say, oh, shit, I'm really pissed at this person and I feel really justified. And actually, they didn't do anything to me. They're not actually trying to harm me. Sometimes somebody steps on your foot and it hurts. It really hurts. Somebody like, I don't know, they're putting lemon on their meal. And then that lemon, it just squirts in your eye and it really pisses you off because now you have lemon in your eye. Not taken from a true story at all. It's very tempting to want to lash out at that person who has harmed you bodily. But did they do it on purpose? Do they deserve your rage? Or are you just pissed? Can you just experience anger and frustration without directing it at someone, without justifying it? These are really important questions because how we experience and express anger is up. It's up now. It's up this year. The healthier we are around these kinds of feelings, the more agency we have in our lives. And I'll tell you, the sun and Mars are both associated with agency and how we direct ourselves and move through the world in general. So this is a great time for looking at all of these themes. And you may be too distracted. You may be so annoyed that it's hard to consider any of these things. But as people who work with astrology, which we are, we know that even if the transit's over, which it will be over on the third, if you were just so annoyed and like couldn't, couldn't be reflective at all, on the third, you could look back and be like, okay, now I'm going to really think about these themes. Now that I'm not in the firestorm of my own intense emotions or my own pressing situation, I'm going to reflect on these themes. And that is, again, the greatest use of astrology, being able to really learn from what we're going through by understanding that each thing we go through is an opportunity to become more whole, even if it feels like that thing is tearing us the fuck apart. Okay, and that brings us to Venus is forming a conjunction to Saturn in Aquarius. That's on the 5th. So we're going to feel it leading up and we're going to feel it for a few days after, but it is exact on the 5th. Venus conjunction to Saturn. Honestly, it's a tough transit. Venus, as I was saying earlier it is related to relationships. It's how we relate to others. It's diplomacy. It's also how you feel about the way you look. So the way that you look and diplomacy, the ways that they're kind of connected is through curation. Venus is also related to personal finances, what you have, what you own, and also values. And values are, of course, the connective tissue that I'm always focused on when it comes to Venus. Venus conjunction to Saturn can be a time where we feel lonely, where we feel uh, a sense of scarcity or limitation around how we relate to others, uh, the people in our lives. We don't feel loved or we don't know how to express love. This is kind of a stilted, restricted energy. So you may really want to tell someone that you like them and that you appreciate them and not really know how to say it or feel really funky about the way you said it. On the positive Venus conjunction to Saturn, it's very much about consequences. So you may experience some measure of consequence. And if you've been playing your cards right, then those consequences can be really positive. Saturn is associated with not just killing boners, but also maturity, accomplishment, mastery. And so you may encounter some meaningful consequence in the realm of relationships or finances or, you know, something around the way you look or the arts in general that is a real validation of your efforts. That's 
absolutely possible. But if something positive happens for you on and around this date, trust that it's not coming out of thin air. It is a consequence of effort. It's a consequence of effort. And that means good on you, girl. You've done a good job. That is wonderful. That all said, Venus conjunction to Saturn, if it, especially if it's hitting something in your chart, or especially, especially if it's hitting something in the first house of your chart, can just make you look in the mirror and be like, oh, no, 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 I can't look upon myself. And so what I want to encourage you to do if you are struggling with your meat suit on and around the fifth, aka this week, consider this. What is the value of the way you look? Like, what does it actually matter? How much does it matter? It's very important to be able to understand that the way you look is not the most important part of you. It's not the most interesting part of you. And if it is, you got some work to do. And Venus conjunction to Saturn will make you feel pretty damn clear about it. If the reason why people like you is because of the way you look first and foremost, that can be a bummer, short term and long term. So, you know, these are all things to be considering on and around this date, whether or not you want to be. Now, Again, Venus conjunction to Saturn can be associated with uh, an expense occurring that kind of drains you. So you may feel that you really want something and it's really expensive, but you're like, fuck it, I'll deal with it. Or you may have to pay money for something that you weren't really planning on paying money for. The key here is to see the value in what you're spending your resources, your money on. And if you don't see the value, then maybe don't do it. (laughs) But to understand that When we hoard money, when we hoard resources, that's not abundance. This is an important opportunity to explore your relationship to flow, to explore your relationship to utility, because Venus conjunction to Saturn may require that you spend your resources one way or another on something that is important to you. If it promotes greater flow and creativity in your life, if it promotes utility in your life, it's worth it. When you feel trapped, when you feel like you're obliged to do a damn thing, it sucks, right? It it feels really bad, especially in the context of some of these other transits we're going through. So see your agency in what you're having to spend your money on. Seek to find the yes in even the most annoying things you have to do if you can. And I mean this, of course, on a psychological and a spiritual level, even if you're like, God damn it, I have to pay off this debt and I don't want to. If you can see psychologically and spiritually the value of no longer being tethered to a debt or to chipping away at a debt, that can be valuable. You know, it can reinforce your agency, can reinforce your sense of values and what you value in yourself, taking care of something that is bugging you. Okay. On February 6th, I have one more transit to tell you about, and that is Venus square to Uranus. Having Venus square to Uranus overlap with Venus conjunction to Saturn is really important because it creates the unexpected. Venus square to Uranus is destabilizing. It brings up surprises and upsets. And upsets and destabilization are not necessarily bad things, right? They can be uncomfortable, but they can bring something much better than what you already had. This is part of why we we may encounter unexpected expenses this week because Venus squared Uranus, it just, it surprises us. You know, it brings you something from left field that you were not planning on. And Venus conjunction to Saturn is all about the plans. On a personal level, 
this transit can bring someone from your past. It can bring, you know, it can bring you an unexpected social experience that has you kind of questioning everything. And the reason why it has you questioning everything is because of Venus's proximity to Saturn. It is not a fluid vibe, whereas Uranus wants change and it wants excitement. Saturn is like, yeah, but at what cost? We can expect some sort of uh, discomfort this week around these transits, okay? And that discomfort is an opportunity for you to look at what it is that you are prioritizing and centering in your values, whether that's in the context of the way you look, who you relate to, how you relate to them, or your finances. And if you're an artist, you know, this could all play out on your canvas, whatever that means for you. The key is with the Venus square to Uranus is to make no promises and no commitments, but instead to be open and interested and willing to experiment and explore. That will be uncomfortable, very likely because of Saturn's involvement. You know, Saturn and Venus, arguably also the moon, are the planets the most concerned with security. Because of that, when Uranus fucks with them, there's likely to not just be material circumstances, but psychological and emotional circumstances at play because we're really struggling to find our center and where we belong and what we can trust when Uranus fucks with Saturn or Venus, let alone Saturn and Venus. So be open, be interested to the best of your ability. And on a more uh, social level, we may see things within the economy that we were not expecting to see right? Some sort of major change, some sort of upset that destabilizes things, which can be exactly what we need. Could be a pain in the ass. Nobody knows, but we'll find out. We'll find out soon. My loves, I want to thank you once again for joining me on Ghost of a Podcast. And I want to invite you, if you haven't already, to download my free app for iOS called Tiny Spark. It's just a little magic eight ball, a little resource for checking your intuition, which is, you know, kind of fun, kind of cute. Stay tuned for more information about my forthcoming astrology app called Astrology for Days. And if you want to be, you know, the first to know, join me over on Patreon or sign up for my mailing list on my website over at lovelaniato.com. Thank you so much for joining me for another week of Ghost of a Podcast. Talk to you in a few days. Bye. Every year they say the end is near